You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. The scripture lesson this morning is read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, and finally, verse 39. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with, all our, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you'll see the day drawing near. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bill. It is indeed a wonderful word of God that we get to look at today. On January 1st, we began um, the new year by looking at the calling that we have and the opportunity we have to grow together. And on that January 1st day, uh, we looked at the privilege that we have to grow, the calling that we have to grow, the, the plans that God has for us as individuals to grow, to be spiritually developing in our life. What we were reminded of is that we, we are called and we should be growing in Christ. We should be moving from year to year, from birthday to birthday, uh, with stronger or closer uh, pursuit toward holiness and maturity than the previous year. Not that we're obtaining perfection, but that we're claiming and, and proclaiming Christ more and more. Uh, we, we talked about how to be growing. Uh, we talked about what gets in the way of our spiritual growth, our growth in Christ-likeness. Today we're going to be looking at spiritual growth and why we do it together. That we are called to grow together. Uh, so January 1st we did that, and then last week we had this amazing day. How many of you were able to be here last week with us? Okay, uh, so that made some of you feel bad. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but what happened was from, uh, from over here all the way to over here, we had the foyer, I mean the, the whatever this is called, full of people that was uh, ready to go plant and launch a new church that is going on right now in Gerald. And it is amazing. Last week was so amazing because 
the sound of your singing, the sound of our singing as a congregation encouraged me like never before. It wasn't that, hey, look what we're doing is what is encouraging me. It was the togetherness of what we're doing is what encouraged me. It was fueling. It was exciting. And it moves us into this text today where we look at why we grow together. Next week, Rob will come up and he'll be leading us into Hebrews 11 where we look a little more about um, the issues of faith and, and growing into faith. And then we're going to get into uh, where we actually um, exposit different psalms. We're going to look at uh, two psalms specifically, however long that takes us, verse by verse, going through those. But today we come to this topic that we started on January 1st, Why Together. That was one long introduction to catch everybody up to where we are to get today. Why grow together? We're going to look at some meat, and then we're going to look at some lettuce That'll make a lot more sense in a minute, and you'll think I'm really cheesy, uh, but we'll get to all that. Um, why together? The big answer and the short answer and the most clearest answer that we can answer this is we grow together because that is his design and his plan for our life. Early when Jesus walked with his disciples, he pulled Peter aside. There were some things going on with the dialogue with Peter. And he said to Peter that he will build his what? He didn't say, I'm going to build leaders who produce leaders. He didn't say, I'm going to build good nations or good uh, countries. He didn't say, I'm here to build solid businesses with opportunities for wealth. He didn't say, I'm here to build good infrastructures and hospitals and clinics and coffee houses. All of these things are good things. They are. It's good to have a good nation. It's good to have good leaders that are producing leaders. It's good to have hospitals and clinics and most of us would wholeheartedly believe it's good to have good coffee with good coffee houses. But that's not what Jesus said. He said he came and he was to build his church. I will build my church, is what he said in Matthew 16 to Peter. Early when he told his disciples that he was coming back, whom did Jesus say he was coming for? He was coming for his bride, as the bridegroom coming for his bride, his holy bride, his people, his church. It is the design of Christ that we believe and that we become men and women of Christ. But part of that process of growth, part of that process of believing and becoming godly men and women involves God's plan for us to belong to one another. Not just to a good nation, not to a good business, not to a good club or team, but that we belong to other Christians, that we belong to one Another. So we're going to look at a text that we looked at two weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4 before we look at Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4. I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16. We're going to just read through this quickly. We're not going to unpack everything we did two weeks ago, but 
Here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus that reminds us that this is the plan of God for our growth. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. He gave them. He gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why is spiritual growth so important? Why is this his plan? Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So again, back to his plan, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, and from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Why are we to grow together? Because this is God's plan for you and for me, is for us to grow together. Why does spiritual growth require for me to belong to others? It is God's plan for my life that I belong to others. Meaning, it's a special and wonderful thing for God to save me, to redeem me, to hold me, and to set up plans to grow me. The very plans and the sovereign will of God is for Jesus to die for God's broken, lost children. And then to unite them together under his protective household and care. Did you catch that? God's plan for your life is to send his son, the father to send the son to die for you, to redeem you, to give you life, and then to bring you into his home with all the other brothers and sisters so you can be under his persevering, God-honoring, God-protection and guidance in his plans. Why do we grow together? Because it's the will of God for your life to do it together. But we are often like that four-year-old, right? We're like that five-year-old that keeps asking the question, well, why? I know that's what you said, but why? Now, sometimes for us, it should be, it should all, not sometimes, it should always be enough for God to say, well, I said so. But to inspire our children to obey, we want to answer the longer answer to the shorter question of why. Why is this God's will? Why is God saying this is the way it should be? And that's where Hebrews 10 really comes alive and helps us out. We will see here as we unpack this Three individual blessings that lead 
to seven community responsibilities. Yes, you just heard you're about to endure 10 points in these verses. Don't check out yet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us capture and understand the beautiful privileges that are available to us in Christ so that it propels us to the seven other responsibilities and privileges we have in the church. Lord, we've been praying it all week. We've been praying it all the end of last year. We've been praying it all month. Corey just encouraged us to pray it right now. Let us see it. Let the person who's on the fence right now see it and hear it. For those who aren't on the fence, who are all in, let us rejoice in it. This truth that we can behold you and encourage one another and persevere to the end. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. The first individual blessing that I want us to see in this text is found in verse 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. The first individual blessing is we have access to God through Christ. That is something, if we don't say anything else, if we don't see anything else, we need to stop and pause and be in awe of this gift. Verse 19 and 20 is a quote from chapters 4, verses 14 through 16. And here in chapter 10, the writer is bringing it into application. We can come to God. We can actually dare approach God because of Jesus. Before Christ, there was only one person who was allowed to come near the presence of God. And he could only do it in one place at one time of year. This person was called the high priest in the holy place of the tabernacle, the temple, which represented God's special presence. It was only the high priest who could come in with with only a good sacrifice, only one time a year. But in Christ and through his flesh and through his shed blood on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made it available for us, for you, to have confidence to come near God. I don't know what your view of God is, but it should be a lot higher than whatever it is. And this should be the highest privilege and joy and honor. This is better than winning the lottery. This is better than being drafted number one in, the, in, the, in any draft. This is Jesus Christ giving you access to God. What a blessing. No once a year sacrifice of an animal no relying on some level of godliness by some other man, no hoping 
that that person makes time for you or that God makes time for you. No getting in line, no standing in line on a specific day, no making sure you say the prayer the right way and use the right kind of words and making sure you're kneeling with your left knee or your right knee or both knees or hands up, one hand up. No, it is through Christ that we have access to God. The writer says we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way. This word that the writer of Hebrews is using here for new is not what you think. The Greek word is prosphatos. It's used only one other time in the New Testament. Its original meaning is this. It's freshly slaughtered. Its original meaning here is Jesus is the freshly slaughtered one. He is the new sacrifice. He is the new way, the final way, the fresh one for us to have access to God. We individually have access to God in Christ. And here's the next thing. We have access for eternity. We have access forever not because of our work, but because he is an active high priest. That's the second individual blessing we see here, that we have an active and continual high priest. He doesn't retire. He doesn't take time off. Look with me in verse 21 and 22. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There is no need for another to go to God for us. No need for another to bring us to God. He is now and has always been our great high priest over the house of God. He doesn't delegate that task to another. He is the new slaughtered one. He is the final, and he is the great high priest, giving us access for eternity, which leads to the third individual blessing here, daily relationship with Jesus. We take this for granted, but it is a gift of mercy Verse 22 to 23, let us draw near. Why? Because we have the new slaughtered one. We have the new lamb. We have the new high priest. So now let us draw near with the true heart. Near. That word must have caused a ripple effect for these Jewish people hearing this from the writer of Hebrews, you can draw near. No more distance. Come near because of Christ. Come and have a relationship with him. It's ongoing. 
It's a growing relationship. And just like any relationship that is special, it should be growing. It should be developing. There should be this continual pursuit of nearness. When relationships end and marriages end, you know and you, you understand what, that, what has happened. At some point, there stopped being this nearness, this committed nearness. There was like, it's okay to, to be over here and you be over here. That's not what Christ has done for us. He died so that you and I could come near, near, nearer, nearer every year of our life. These three amazing individual benefits are ours in Christ. He is our solid rock. It's in him that we have this lasting eternal access to God. It's in him that we have this active, faithful high priest, and it's in him that we have this daily relationship forever. But did you catch verse 21? We have this great high priest over the house of God. Did you notice that Jesus is the high priest over a household? He's over his household. In verses 19 through 21, we see these three blessings, these individual blessings that we have, this meat of the gospel. But now we look at some lettuce here. Where do I get that? We're going to slip from here's what God has done for us to all of these let us now, let us now, let us now. You get it? Now you can see the cheese in it. So that's what we're seeing here. Did you notice that these since we statements lead to let us statements? Verse 19, since we have this confidence, open for us since we have a great high priest. And then we have this connection. Since we have this, let us be this. What's the first responsibility we have that we see here? The first one we see in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. We already talked about that a little bit. Since we have this, let us draw near. But here's what I want us to focus on here. That word true heart in the ESV, some translations translate to sincere or pure. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us be all in. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He is the final slaughtered sacrifice. So come near with sincerity. Let us come near. Let us come near. That's why corporate worship, Bible studies, community groups in Christ's name needs an element of sincerity and pursuit of spiritual growth in every one of them, or they're just sort of social gatherings. When you gather in a home in Christ's name as a community group or come to a Bible study in Christ's name, enter that place with sincerity Almost with this calling, I want to come near with these other men, with these other women, with this group in sincerity, with a true 
heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. Secondly, let us hold unto him who is faithful. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. You see the connection there with others? Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Let's do it without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold on to him who is faithful. Let me just newsflash for you in my family. Sometimes when we say something very obvious, we go beep, 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 this just in, like, like, hello, we know this. This is, here's a new flash for all of you who are just checking out grace. We're not that cool of a church. We're just not. It was once described, and I say it a lot, I say it often, but one of the things that compelled me to come here is there was this description that we are sort of the land of misfit toys here. Let me translate that in the spiritual vernacular. We're broken. We're not all perfect, and we're not here to try to one-up one another and get jobs, and we are coming together with sincere hearts And we're holding on to him. We don't have anything else but our confession in him. That's what this is saying. We're not here and we're not gathered to hold on to our gimmicks or our tricks or our coolness. We are gathered and may we always be gathered as a church that is Christ-centered and Godward. Let us hold to the confession of our hope. That's why when you are choosing a congregation, we must be looking for, is this church Christ-centered, or is it drum-centered, or is it hymn-centered, or is it cathedral-centered, or is it buildings? Is it Christ-centered? This is a church, my prayers, that holds to the confession of our hope in Christ Jesus. Number three, let us let others help me grow. So there's not really a let us there. It's a more of a let others help me grow. The first one is let us draw near with a true heart. Second one, let us hold to him who is faithful. Thirdly, let others help me grow. This is our responsibility. Let others into our lives. Verse 23. And we hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Before we get into what we can do for others, let me ask you, are you letting others into your life? Are you letting others in? Here's the benefits, and here's the words sort of we use to help describe the benefit of this. Words like accountability. Do you have people in your life that are keeping you accountable? You know what accountability has done for me? It keeps the bar high. Because my flesh wants to always compromise that bar. Not always, but a lot of times wants to get that bar like, you know what, I feel this, so let me go ahead and lower the bar right here. I remember in college I had two different accountability groups. Uh, My freshman year we had this sort of militant, vibrant group. It was like, 
okay, a bunch of thou shalt nots were leading that kind of, like we had like 12 things that we would meet regularly on week after week and say, okay, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Now, it's not what I'm encouraging, but for me as a freshman in college, what that did, it was accountability that kept the bar up here. There was some good in it. The more mature we got, we realized, you know what, there's good in there, but not much grace in that. <laughs> a little later by my senior year, we had a different group. Some of the same guys were in it, but we called it the Brotherhood. Um, and there was something like every, most of our time together was spent in just uncontrolled worship and praying for one another. So the bar was still high. But there was some wonderful things that were happening. The other thing that accountability led others helping me grow is not only keeps the bar high, but there's a such thing as positive peer pressure, right? That's why youth groups are important. That's why uh, community groups are important. Because, yeah, we know about negative peer pressure leading us away and the wrong things that we shouldn't do. But there is a such thing as positive peer pressure. Like, I shouldn't do this, or I need to be doing this so that I can make sure when I go to a community group that I'm honest and sincere. There's that positive reinforcement, even if they don't say anything to me, knowing that I'm connected to this group. It shouldn't just be pastors that feel like they have to be here because of the church. It should be every one of us. This positive peer pressure. Let others help me grow. The other thing that we associate with this is other people help me see my blind spots. Even if you're not showing up in a group and they're teaching you the eight things that you need to be doing that week or not doing that week, there are times people can listen to your testimony and listen to you share or listen to you complain or weep or mourn and somebody can hear maybe some blind spots that you don't see. That's why they're called blind spots. But a group or some people who are close to your life can say, hey, I'm hearing this. You might want to just have a different view of the way I'm hearing it. Do you let other people close to you, into you to help you grow? Let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us hold to him who is faithful. Let's let others help us grow. Fourthly, let us help others grow. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The question that I'm starting to ask people, no matter the generation, no matter how old, when they're saying, you know what, it's time for me to leave the church. I don't like this church because it's this or it's that. The question I am now, because I'm 51 and have a little more leverage or maturity or I don't know what it is, um, is in what ways this last year did you help that church grow? In what ways did you contribute this or do this or help in your community group do this. We are to grow together because teamwork's important. How many of you have been a part of a losing team before? Yeah, you're so used to losing, you're like, I don't even want to admit that I've lost a lot of games. 
I don't know if anybody could be part of a team that lost more than I did in high school. Two years on varsity football, we won one game. Wow. That's, thanks, guys. I'm over it. Um, it's a long time ago. The one game we won was to a team that won zero games. We won 13 to 12 because they missed an extra point. Every game we would hear a similar speech. We're a team. And every game at the beginning of the game, we felt like, in fact, the game where I had the most confidence was the greatest speech a coach has ever given to us. We were about to play across the line of scrimmage from us, a team that sent nine guys to Division I schools. And we hadn't won a game. And I went out there, crossing the field, meeting the other captains, and I'm like, we're about to take y'all down. And it was an awesome first quarter because I knew we were a team. I don't, it doesn't matter that the final score was 82 to 15. That first quarter was amazing. But what happened is we started to expose our blind spots and our weaknesses. We just weren't as good. We didn't support one another. Our weaknesses showed no strengths. When we come together as God's family, we are determined to win. We are told to win. We'll get to that in verse 39 in just a second. But we must consider how, why. I may be doing my job well, but how can I encourage this person to do their job? How can I, as a good teammate, help them, encourage them, Bless them. Are you plugging in in such a way that your gifts from the Holy Spirit are helping other people? Now, here's the thing. If you're inconsistent, you're only popping in here and here and here, it's hard for people to let you into their life. You see the togetherness here. Connect with the team, connect with your group so that when God wants to use you to bless somebody and help them grow, they are ready to receive from you. They trust you. Let others draw, let us draw near with a true heart. Let us hold on to the confession of our faith. Let us, let others help us grow and let us help grow others. Verse 25, number five is this, let's keep meeting together. Verse 25, we see, well, let's go back to verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. It doesn't say Make sure you have more stars next to your game, your name and your attendance record at the church. Let's make sure the elders see that you've never missed community group. And say that. It's saying that there are some who have a habit, like it's the norm for them to be gone than present. Don't neglect meeting with each other. Make it your habit. Let's make it our habit to meet together. We, I heard a number, we didn't get to test the numbers, but when I heard the number this week, 
I, it, was, it was breathtakingly joyful for me to hear it. Like I was stunned. I was told that 80% of our covenant members are in a group. Amen's right. Like that is good news. That floored me. I've been a part of churches where like what 80% of the people who signed to come to be a part of this church are active members of either a community group or a Bible study in some way. Like this is amazing. And then I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a low bar. Why am I rejoicing that there's 20% who had signed the covenant to be part of a leaders that make it a habit to not be in a group? What a high privilege we have to draw near to God. What a great responsibility we have to come near him on a daily basis through a great high priest. What a high calling that he asks us to be a part of his household. Make it your habit in 2023 to be in connection with your church. Six, let us keep encouraging one another. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing there, let's keep encouraging together. When we do come together, let's not like pick off all the things we're not doing right. Let's not focus on all the blind spots that's going on in our life. Let's encourage one another. We are to grow together. We do that by encouraging. We know that as parents, if you're just beating down your kid the whole time, Verbally, they're not going to grow into the mature manhood and womanhood that they need to be. They need encouragement. Join a Bible study or community group that keeps encouraging one another. The seventh lettuce part is this. Let us persevere to the end. No first quarter victories here. We're talking full game. Verse 39, but we, just before I keep reading, since we have this confidence, since we have a new living way, since he opened the door for us, since we have this great high priest, let us draw near, let us come together, let us encourage, let us not neglect meeting together, let us keep encouraging, verse 39, so that we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's finish it. Church, last week was awesome. I'm fighting the temptation to tell you what I was feeling as we were walking out of the church. I was immediately thinking of the next city. Let's go here. Let's do this. My wife said, don't do that. Not, but there's more. Not just going and sending, but there's more within our groups. There's, there's um, you who need help. There's you who can help. Let's encourage one another. Let's persevere to the end. Since Christ is our solid rock, our great high priest, let us grow together and persevere in faith to the end. So I ask you, Are you receiving from others? Are you considering how to encourage others? What is your habit for attending Christian biblical community? 
Are you making it your habit to be a part of others' lives? How do we do this at our church? We'll wrap it up with these tools that we have and make available to you since God has given us people to equip us into this work. What are we doing here? First of all, Maddie alluded to it. In the back or on your way out, there's these booklets that look like this. Grow together. This is just a resource. This isn't people. This is just people who put together stuff to put it in a booklet that when you're on your own, you want to read stuff, you want to pray about the nations or for the nations, you want to read scripture, study scripture, this booklet is put together for your growth. Secondly, we have community groups here. We have high school community groups. We have college, a college community group. We have adult or mixed community groups. High schoolers don't have to stay with just high schoolers. They can come to the adult groups. College, you're welcome to come to any community group, but we have those for you. We have many community groups that are gathering and meeting together for encouragement, for us to hold to the confession of hope. What we're doing in those community groups is we're unpacking the sermons. We're unpacking what's happening on Sunday so that you don't have to leave here confused or frustrated and never have to get to talk to anybody about that. You get to go in a community group where you sort of take out your backpack and say, here's what we looked at on Sunday. Who's got issues? Who's got questions? Who needs prayer? How can we encourage you? Where are the blind spots? Join a community group. I encourage you to you talk to somebody in the booth on your way out, or you can go to our website and look at our groups page there. We have Bible study groups. I know you've been hearing about the women's Bible study group that's been uh, advertised because it's a new There's We already have, I'll get to the one we've been doing, but we have this new group that's starting up. We encourage you women to consider that. But we've had a women's Bible study group that meets on Mondays. I encourage you to go to. We have a men's group on Wednesdays that's been meeting. Um, and I think, I may not be accurate, but I think the men are pretty excited about that group, right, guys? Yeah, a little, some of you? Okay, all right. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I have gone to my doctor several years ago, and my doctor's not a member here, said, I'm probably not supposed to say, but there's several patients of mine that go to your men's Bible study group and their lives have changed. Wow, what a blessing to hear that. Then I'm like, can you get back to me? I've got issues. No, no, it was like a blessing to hear that. We have another Bible study meets on Thursdays. These, this information, again, back booth on our website, community groups, Bible studies that focus on the scripture apply to your life? Do you have an accountability or discipleship relationship in some way? If you want one, need one, first of all, if you're looking for accountability and encouragement, join a group. I don't know if you've heard me say that yet. Join a group. If you are looking for intentional discipleship, I would say, first of all, join a group. But if you want that and you don't know how to do that, just come or email us and ask us. We'd love to connect you with somebody for your discipleship. This passage says, let us not forsake meeting together as a habit. Corporate worship is important. Commit to sing together with others. Commit to learn together 
with others. And I just would leave with this. Are you, even today, even if you're not in the group, even if you're not made it a habit up until this point, think today, ask the Lord today to show you how you can encourage someone's faith. Let us consider how. Maybe your application point is, okay, I need to check out the website. Maybe I need to go check out this Bible study. Maybe it's right here, right now, you asking the Lord, show me how I can consider encouraging this person. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It sounds like we're supposed to grow together. We're not those who shrink back grace. We are not those who are going to be destroyed. We are those who are going to be propelled to have faith and persevere. There's no more going back for us. Let's grow together. Let's pray. God, we belong to you. Belonging to you means we have the wonderful privilege to belong to one another. It is a team that won't peter out in the first quarter, Lord. This is the holy, saved, redeemed family of God. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room or hearing this that's on the fence of whether they should come back to the church or a church, I pray, Lord, you would inspire them, grab hold of them, and pull them in for their joy, Lord, and also for our hope and faith. God, help us to always hold to the confession of our hope and help us to listen to others that might want to help us with our blind spots so that we can this year grow together as a congregation and as a household of God. In Jesus' name, I pray.